the problem is those nine media massive outlets, they don't ask the right questions um, because they're so scared. And this yes. is where your podcast come in. You are, you are willing to let someone like myself come up and ask questions and discussions that's not taking place in the, in the main media. And those yes. outlets like CNN or Fox, they don't want to ask questions. And so I've got a four steps of how I see one can fix things. It's radical, it's whistleblowing. Uh, some of it we've discussed, most of it we've discussed before. And, you know, if anyone's listening, you know, buckle up and, you know, uh, put your seatbelt on because um, for the average American, most of the stuff we're going to discuss now is not going to make a lot of sense. But I'm a believer that <laughs> that this is the way forward. So I'm sort of going, don't know where things went wrong in the US, but there's a way to fix it. And you have to have radical thinking if you want to fix it, no matter what that's right. you are. Yes. And it is fixable. And I've got missions to, to do my part, my butterfly effect, less is more. If you can change one person's mind, you can change two, two, four, sixteen, etc. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we have a returning guest, Carl DeLue. He is the world's foremost whistleblower and truth teller. Carl, could you give a brief history of yourself and let people know just a little more about you, please? Yes, my background is that um, this year I'm 60. I uh, born in Pretoria, South Africa, in the Dutch Reformed Church, most probably in apartheid years in the 60s. was probably one of the most conservative churches in the world. And I'm now, I then went to the UK at age 25. I'm now in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and I used to be in the property industry for many years. I was a charter quantity surveyor. It's like an accountant in the building industry plus law. Um, but in 2011, I woke up. I lost everything. And then that woke me up. And I then I never set out to write three books, but it turned out I wrote three books. Uh, one on world peace, called the Dyslexia Code. One on health, called the Housespring Code. And one on dyslexia, called the Dyslexia Code. And the reason why I say I'm the foremost whistleblower in that I whistleblowed massively on UK corruption. I haven't even uh, uh, you know, mentioned that even to you. Um, but my three books still, and really all my other work, I see very much as whistleblowing because it's all 
uh, we're doing everything wrong. And the great advantage I had when I set out is I knew nothing about anything. I started with a clean slate. So I had no preconceived ideas. No one pushed me in a direction. I could just start researching and found what I believe is the truth. You know, I wish more people would do that because once you do release those preconceived notions and you just let yourself be curious and don't stop until you find a solid answer for yourself. That's what we really need more of. And whistleblowers tend to get this bad reputation, but I find it's so needed within our society because it really brings out the truth that's happening. And if we all just shut up and put our heads in the sand, nothing is going to change and the world just gets worse. We're going to speak about drug addiction. Where did it go wrong and why? You know, the world is just massively into drugs and the devastating effects caused by drugs. It blew me away when I started researching some of this and the numbers and how it really began to escalate in our modern day. It's, it's mind-blowing. Carl, could you please let us know what your research tells us on drug addiction? Well, in 2021, I did a diploma yeah, in Dublin on uh, addiction, you know, drug, alcohol, retail, et cetera, addiction, but it's mainly drug and alcohol addiction. And I did a little uh, video that I know you've seen that hopefully you can attach as a little video that people can see, um, which I go into sort of the two models. So you've got the um, disease, brain disease model, which um, is supported by the U.S. Drug Administration, and it says that everything happens in the brain. Um, and then you've got the biopsychosocial model, which is sort of Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, where he goes back to childhood and says, it's all things that happened from before in your life and that um, annual environment. And from that, um, and then also you've got your first wave, which was your Pavlov dog and blowing the whistle. Your second wave with NLP somehow grew out of that uh, neuralistic program. And then your third wave, you've got many different uh, th third waves. So that's where we're at. Um, but in, the, in that little diploma I did, the most important thing I discovered in that for me was that the Vietnam study. So for people that don't know, in the 60s and 70s, uh, when the US soldiers went to, to Vietnam, when they came back and after Vietnam, 95% of the Vietnam soldiers kicked the habit of their drug, where they most probably, were, most probably was heroin, I forget what it was, addiction. Within a year or two, 95%. And so that shows in the 60s and 70s, when the US soldiers went away, when they came back to US society, 
Jewish society must have been a nice society. So even though in the 60s you have the hippies and whatever they were doing, it must have been a good society because they, when they came back, they could give up their drug addiction. And it, um, one of the articles I sent you was that at that stage, there was about 5,000 drug overdose deaths in the US per year. So, so that was on a population of about 200 million. So on a population of roughly, say, 330 million uh, currently, um, that would be sort of 8,000 or something. Let's call it 10,000 drug doses should be taking place if we were in the 60s, 70s life in the US. But currently, it's a staggering 100,000 people die of drug overdose every single year in the US. So it's 10 times where it should be compared to 1960s, 70s. So something went wrong. And really, I cannot even contemplate of how to sort of discuss what went wrong. And, and that's not really what I, what I want to do today. I want to sort of go into our previous, we have five previous chats, some of our previous chats, but just in a bit more summary uh, point of view. But, you know, it, in addition to that, um, you've now got, the, I think at the 2020 levels, there was 45,000 people died in the US from gun-related uh, killings. And you've got about, what, 600,000 mass shootings every year now in the US. This is quite standard. Um, you know, back, I don't know how many years, 20 years ago, when you had the Dunblane massacre in Scotland, in the U U UK, um, there was about, I don't know, I forget, 10, 20 kids were killed. The U UK, after that, uh, just immediately um, had uh, tightened the gun laws and, and it's very difficult to get a gun license and, and you haven't got the same issues in the, in the US. And now in the US, most people want guns. Um, and it's very similar to where I grew up in South Africa. You know, gun violence is a big problem because people want uh, protection. So in South Africa, you've got like 30, 40% unemployment. Therefore, people need to steal, to eat. People want to protect themselves so they have guns at home. When people steal, they steal the guns as well. So it's like a vicious circle. And, and uh, the US is in that same vicious circle. Um, and so, yeah, the, the topic of today's talk is drug addiction, where the US go wrong? Because somewhere the US went wrong. And, you know, in 19, I finished my studies in South Africa, University of Victoria, 1989. I didn't see any hope from South Africa at that point. I then went to London. And literally the next year, I never knew it, Nelson Mandela was uh, released from prison and in 92, you, you had the new government. So in a sense, I should have gone back to South Africa because uh, I, I believe in the new South Africa. Although having said that, it's dreadful to, that the South African government has um, voted of a stain against the Russian, uh, Ukraine, you know, Russian illegal invasion of Ukraine. And now, recently, this week, I think it was, um, South Africa did drills in Navy drills. I used to be in the South African Navy for two years, did Navy drills with the Russians. 
So South Africa has changed a little bit. But in any case, um, when I was in 1989, I didn't see hope in South Africa. This is before things change, as I mentioned. And I must say that if I'm looking at the US now from the side, I, I, I like watching uh, programs to do the US. And it's like a someone checking a golfer swing using a golf analogy. Someone swing. Mm -hmm. You can, if you're watching, if the, the the coach is watching the person swinging, you can see the US has just got a massive problems with their swing. Um, and you know, the statistic shows it. Yeah, I'm with you there, Carl. You know, the US is backwards. It's really disturbing in many ways, and our leadership right now is not really the best let's you know i don't want to disrespect anybody but we we do need to have leadership that understands entirety of what's going on and i i personally feel that we don't have that leadership and that's not to get political because i i i see everything left right I, I try to bring it into the center, but the the amount of change that occurred from the Vietnam War on is very disturbing. When Nixon declared the war on drugs in America, I think it really bolstered drug addiction, and and it it. At that time, we had the CIA bringing drugs in and uh, hearsay through body bags. So when when we have our government bringing drugs in, and that's not the first instance, it's not going to be the last instance of that behavior, but it's like they're experimenting on us. And these experiments are used to actually enhance or enhance their power grab on society and and the amount of drugs that were experimented with it's just mind-blowing my my research in that real quick uh 1971 there was a book printed called shooting up and this actually tells you so much about what was going on during that time. It says that 92% of these individuals were on alcohol. 69% was marijuana. 38% opium. 34% heroin. 25% uh, amphetamines and 23% barbiturates. During the first part of the war, they actually allowed the vets to smoke marijuana and actually do drugs. This is disturbing in many ways because the behavior there was brought back with them. And it's very alarming that a lot of that is centralized in Harlem. And that's black, 
dominated, you know? So the experimentation and the delivery of the drugs, it's amazing. They themselves prescribed, the government prescribed our soldiers dexedrine, uh, steroids, uh, <laughs> Thorazine, you know, these these drugs really affect the mind and how we were placed into a war that was pretty violent anyway. That that had to really go to the head to our men. And most of these men were actually boys that went over to war. That's what always happens. And the devastation that particularly the Vietnam vets faced, they came back to being spit on and being called baby killers. Uh, but these men went to war to protect what they perceived as American rights and responsibilities. So what our government does is mind-blowing. And I can go on for hours about this. It's crazy. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, I'd to try and unravel what it, it it is and and what went wrong exactly and you know you summed everything up there is um and and try and fix that i think is a very different problem so i want to put a, a very whistleblowing alternative to this but just before i want to do that i want to say that i'm a i'm a great believer in the us and 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 uh, leading the free world um Ukraine now, uh, if the US didn't, wasn't there, you know, no matter the UK or the Europe, the, 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 the US, um, uh, um, you know, the money going to, to Ukraine is outweighed, massively bigger than anyone else. Um, and, you know, I would like to see the US succeed, but um, it's, it is, you know, so, I mentioned South Africa, where I didn't see any hope. Um, in the UK, in Ireland now, about two weeks ago, they released a movie called "Women Talking," and I watched um, it last night. Okay, I'm glad that you watched it because for anyone now listening, if you, if you haven't watched it, pause this and come back to it um, because I'll, we'll have to discuss this movie. And so. Correct me if I'm wrong in sort of explaining this movie, and I'll just give a quick snapshot. So it's a it's based it's a fictional movie, but it's based on reality, uh, but fictionalized heavily. Um, yeah, where this woman in a society in Bolivia got drug rape, uh, uh, drug uh, rape. They got sedative given to them, and then they got raped, and they just wake up with these bruises and stuff like that. And then the men got uh, evicted and uh, got imprisoned, but everything stayed the same. So the women voted, um, sort of secretly, I think it was, 
either stay and do nothing, stay and fight, change things, or leave. And then it was a 50-50 sort of uh, very close vote between stay and fight or leave. So three families sat in the barn. And as you've seen, it was like, what, 90% was them sitting in this barn, kind of this pros and cons of uh, whether to stay and fight or leave. And as they discuss things, they come to the conclusion and great acting. Uh, a lot of those act, uh, actors are not really even well-known, but great acting. And at the end of the day, they decide to leave. And the reason why I thought that movie was so synchronistic right at this point in time is because really, if I was sitting in the US and I was a US citizen, I would think to myself, and, and, you know, and I was similar to 25 when I left South Africa, I think to myself, could I bring a family up in the US? And I would most probably say to myself, I can't do it in the city because of the overdose and the gun and your chance, you know, you stand of your child being killed, gun-related or drug overdose. So I must probably think about going to a quiet place, um, more to, I know you in a very uh, rural area, um, or I would seriously consider leaving the US, Canada, come to Ireland or UK, wherever. Um, because it is just, everything is stuck up against it. Yes, I believe that too. You know, the, the civility within the United States is really diminishing very rapidly here. You've got, especially the younger age, where you know it's hard to control the emotions and the hostilities that we brew within our societies and the outbursts that we're seeing, you know, against our elders and women, it's really staggering right now. And there's not a lot of men actually standing up speaking against it. And it's like we are breeding a society willing to be trampled on and that's dangerous and as you know you stated just a little earlier the united states is that you know beacon of hope in the world and that's diminishing that glow that light that we've always carried it's tarnished and it's kind of being snuffed out it's still there there's a lot of people that understand what our media is putting out to us and all of this delusional thought it's planned so if we can actually come together and keep a right mind about us we can actually combat these violent tendencies of society that you know, I, I love guns. I, I'm a gun owner. I would find it hard to give my guns up. And I feel that way because of all the violence in America. And like you stated, it's this never-ending vicious cycle of I've got to protect and defend. But along with this attitude 
comes what we talked about with this diminishing society based on drugs. And a lot of our people are on different drugs. I, I don't even know what they're on now, but I do know there's these effects going on in society that's devastating. And when you do combine drugs, alcohol, and weapons, it's not a good combination. You stack that with all of the aggression that's being pushed in our media, that's even more of a hot box. Yeah. I'm very concerned and worried about where the U.S. is going, and not in the long term. I'm talking in the short term. What's going, what's happening right now is very alarming. Yeah, the, the, the one of the items I just uh, thought of when you were talking is that I in, interviewed Bernie Sanders recently uh, in the UK, in, in London. And he said that there's nine media outlets in the US. And obviously, you've got CNN, you've got Fox, sort of the two opposites. But he says that's not necessarily the problem. The problem is those nine media massive outlets, they don't ask the right questions um, because they're so scared. And this yes. is where your podcast come in. You are, you are willing to let someone like myself come up and ask questions and discussions that's not taking place in the in the main media, and those yes. outlets like CNN or Fox, they don't want to ask questions. And so, I've got a four steps of how I see one can fix things. It's radical. It's whistleblowing. Uh, some of it we've discussed. Most of it we've discussed before, and. You know, if anyone's listening, you know, buckle up and, you know, uh, put your seatbelt on because um, for the average American, most of the stuff we're going to discuss now is not going to make a lot of sense. But I'm a believer that <laughs> that this is the way forward. So I'm sort of going, I don't know where things went wrong in the US, but there's a way to fix it. And you have to have radical thinking if you want to fix it, no matter what that's right. Yes. And it is fixable. And I've got missions to, to do my part, my butterfly effect, less is more. If you can change one person's mind, you can change two, two, four, sixteen, etc. Okay, that's number right. one. Number one. And I call it the foundation of the house. So I'm gonna discuss the foundation, then the structure, the walls, and then the roof. And then that's the three points, and number four is sort of, um, I suppose, the garden around the house. Um, so number one is health. We've had a discussion, a whole podcast on health, so I can't go into that. But uh, my book is called The Health Spring Code, and chapter two, I discuss the Hunza Cuts, H-U-N-Z-A-K-U-T, Hunza Cuts. Um, and they lived until the mid-60s completely disease-free. And I then studied seven other longevity nations that live today as well. So the two other big ones are the Chinese in China and Akuniwas in Japan. And they live disease-free. But four US people in the 50s and 60s 
studied the, the Hunzakats. They went to they in northern Pakistan on the foothill mountains. And one US doctor lived with them for seven years, trying to figure out how do they do it? Because they don't know what a heart attack or a stroke is, what's cancer. They, you have to explain all these things to them. It's all documented in these four books I, I use for my research. And unfortunately, I've got a video clip of them as well. And But the upshot is that they ate organic. So I'm now 70% organic. And I reversed my asthma back in 2011 within nine months. I used to walk with, around with a ventilant pump. So it's all possible. You know, just on as matter as asthma, I've got a free program uh, that I advertise on Google, and um, I start off by saying every year there's about four hundred thousand people die of asthma every year, and it's hundred percent avoidable, not ninety nine point nine nine one hundred percent. So, what did the Hunza cuts not have in longevity nations? They cut out meat, dairy, and eggs and pesticides that I discussed. They ate a little bit of meat in the winter months because they didn't have refrigeration, but it was a very small portion. So they cut out meat, dairy, and eggs. So that's basically a vegan. Um, I went vegan, but then I changed my diet because I went for tests, blood, urine, saliva tests, and I found out certain mineral vitamins was lacking. So I added seafood. So there's a new name called Segan, and uh, which is fish, which is vegan plus fish. And I don't eat glutens. I go for the ancient grains. There's actually a reason for it. So millet, buckwheat, and uh, quinoa. And then I have rice and, and corn. Um, I cut out soya, and there's I have a whole book, but that's basically the main thing. So I say the number one thing for the U.S. is to go segan and cut out pesticides. Uh, meat, dairy, and eggs are slightly alkaline before it enters the body, but uh, it's a PRAL score. We've discussed it before, P-R-A-L. They're all acidic for me. So the, it's like an acidic battery of a car. It's highly spiky. And that makes people very spiky. And where alkaline, where um, fruit and veg, whether they're acidic or alkaline, they again, it's a PRAL score. They uh, alkaline forming body, and it's like cool, calm alkaline battery. So the first thing to calm the U.S. population and the world population down, but mainly the U.S. because other places like the East already have a lot more on fruit and veg, is to go see them. And just one other, we can't go through all the things we discussed before. Is my chapter eleven? I go into food intolerances. They take 50, the one study was 50, the other one was about 70, hyperactive kids. And what causes, they've got food intolerances. It's milk and dairy, oranges. So oranges, there's a reason for it. All other uh, fruit is fine, except oranges. And we can't go into reasons for that, but um, what's the other one? Uh, refined sugars. So you have to get your sugars via fruit and veg or drinks. Uh, um, food and veg drinks. Um, and there's something I also forget out. And interesting enough, the other thing in that research is in mental institutions, they go in and they take people off this and pesticides, 
pesticides, there's so many pesticides going around. And some of the people after a year walk out in the mental institution. So those pesticides, anything that's non-organic, it's got pesticides in. These pesticides get trapped in your body. So we have to go organic. And as I say, I'm at least now, fortunately, in UK and Ireland, I shop at the cheapest supermarket called Little. I don't know if they're in the US, but in the, they're the cheapest. A lot of people don't even shop there because they don't want to be seen to be there. And I eat mostly organic. For, fortunately, seafood that comes out of the sea, I don't eat any farm seafood, uh, mostly in tins and stuff, um, is all organic. Okay, people say there's a lot of... Um, Plastics now and then. I'd rather have that plastic go through my body than the meat, dairy, and eggs. Um, so, yes, you can do it cheaply and it changes you completely. So, that's number one. The US needs to get its foundation right. You've got all these fast food with pesticides in it. What you put in your body is what you become. That will make everyone relax. People will have. It will change. You know, I'm my I've got two friends in South Africa from school days. One is a butcher. I know how most Americans think, believe me. I come South Africa is even a bigger meat, dairy, and egg consumer than the US. We even take biltong, wow. we call it biltong to rugby games. Um, you know, my father, I remember my stepfather, I remember for breakfast we had milk with eggs in it. Um, that you know, so I know about all of this. So but that's number one. Get the foundation right. Any comments before we go to point two? No, that's pretty solid. I like the first one. Let's let's carry on with it. Okay. The second one is, and this is where the real having the seatbelt on, but we've discussed it before on your program, is the structure, the walls of this house. And you know, I had to I did a whole book on this called The Universe Code. But the two items, the main items that I picked out of this was, so in January 2011, I went to an event by a guy called John DiMartini. He's sort of one of the foremost life coaches in the world. And a three-day event of these called Master Planning for Life. And I, um, I've now taken his work, and I'm now, I did a diploma last year in coaching and mentoring. And I've got a very much less is more approach and maybe in the future, if we, if you can have me on again, I'll be very happy to talk about that because I've taken John's work, John Martini, and also another guy, great guy, Keith Cunningham. He wrote a book called Keys to the Well from Austin, Texas. And he used to have an event called Flying Solo, which is amazing. And I took their work and I've added stuff and I've turbocharged it and made it less as, as more. In any case, I was at John's event in, in uh, Houston, Texas, January 2011. For three days, you plan your life. 2,000 questions in the seven areas of life, which they call the wheel of life. And um, spiritually, my main, I had five missions that came through, but my main mission was to uncover the mystery of the universe and thereafter to tell the world. And at that stage, I didn't even know what the question meant, to be honest with you. But in September 2011, I was working in Abu Dhabi, UAE, and I cracked it. And that's now my 10-minute-long um, 10 mini-documentary called Creator versus God. And 
So why do I mention this? Is we need to understand what is creation and what is God. And until we don't understand that, and I know in time to come, because I can speak to the spirit world. I was taught at the College of Psychic Studies in London how to communicate with the spirit world. That what I'm, because I asked them, I came up with certain theories. I asked the creator, I can communicate with the creator because I asked to communicate with the creator because I can think big. Most people want to speak to loved ones that passed away, or angels or ascended masters, but I thought big. And so what is creation? Creation is Genesis and it's Allah. In the Quran, creation is so we are all made of strings in string theory. So I, I immediately knew that the string string theory, which is the smallest particle, I asked the creator, is that the God particle they found in CERN? You know, between France and Switzerland, they have the CERN that they sent this um, thing around. And they found the God particle, the Higgs boson. And I asked the creator, is the string of string theory the God particle? Now, the God particle should be called the creator particle. The, the, the God particle is the wrong term. And the creator said yes. So the string is so small, never, no one will see, see it. But everything in our body and everything in the universe is made up of strings. And the string theory has been 100% proven. But the new thing about it is, where I made the link is that the string string theory is the God particle and should be called the great particle. And all we are are this just vibrating strings at different frequencies, and we're all interconnected. And that's why you and I and others can make a difference because you don't need, you only need, Angel Creon says you only need half a percent of society. It's about 40 billion people of the 8 billion people currently. To change the world because we are all interconnected so um angel creon also says uh, no angel margaret mentions there are people there's actually lee, uh, lee uh what's his surname i forget his surname that speaks to angel uh, creon in the states um angel creon says that no it's angel margaret sorry it says that she compares it to the creator to like a supercomputer. We are the laptops or the computers, the angels are the servers, and the creator is a supercomputer. And the zeros and ones of the pseudocomputer is just the strings and string theory. So when you're talking about creation or creator, people need to understand what they're praying to. That's what Allah is. That is what creator is. You know, the, the Hindus know this. The Hindus see the creator as omnipresent in everything. It's in the river Ganja. It's in the uh, cow. It's all, it's everywhere. And that is the creator. And this can be proven uh, by science, all of this. Uh, the spirit world, the creator told me this. So for anyone listening now, if you really want to um, uh, go places, all of this is provable. Now, what is God? And, oh yes, just while we're on creator, you've got the five main religions that make up 80% of humanity. Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But if you believe in evolution, you can only have one creator. So why are all these religions you know, fighting? 
And, and this is all part to make people relax, to make people understand. Because currently in, in the US, there's about 30, a third of the US don't believe in anything. And, um, and then a big percentage of Christianity. And okay, what is the God part side? The God side is where we were seeded about 300,000 years ago by the Pedaeans. There's a star cluster called Pedaeans. They came to Earth by with fancy helicopters. I call it fancy helicopters. Um, but that's UFOs. Reagan and Carter have both seen UFOs. They were sitting in Air Force One or whatever, and they saw them. There's, it, the footage has been released. The, the US government is keeping all of the secrets. They know all about this. And they seeded us and then left and came back at certain instances. And they purposefully about 8,000 years ago stopped coming to earth because whenever they landed, locals saw them as gods. But they the gods. So Jehovah is like, I don't know, um, I have it in my many documentaries, like something like 9,000 years before Christ. Jehovah the God was the leader of the Pandaeans. He was a person like us, slightly bigger than us. They are forefathers. They want us to succeed. And then you've got other gods, and currently El, or Alan, is a person like you and me, born. But they're far more advanced spiritually, mentally, and they can live like 2,000 years where we live much less. So that is God. God is, all of this can be proven. You know, it's, it's not, it's all provable, and it will be proved in time to come. And I, I'm the top whistleblower of exposing this now. And some of it, obviously, is my innovation in asking the spirit world, because once we can understand what created, creation is, the creator, Allah, and what God is, then humanity can start coming together. Because a lot of what's happening in the U.S. is now different faiths coming in and people being very un, you know, um, unfrightened. And there's nothing to be frightened about because it's all beautiful. And then the second one, part of this wall structure, the second point is Jesus in India. And we had a whole discussion about this, as you know. And but the main point there is that the Quran very clearly says that Jesus never died on the cross. So this is the main seatbelt on stuff. And I'm a Christian myself. But that's what the Quran says. And I researched it heavily. And the Talmud of Jermaniel, that's a book that needs to be carbon dated, says exactly the same. The Life of St. Isa is a book seen by five people in the Himas Monastery outside Leh in India, Ladakh, over like a hundred year period. And some have written books about it. The Life of St. Isa shows, uh, explains Hindus for six years for Jesus between the ages of 13 and 29. Six years, the Buddhist taught him, and then he went back to be crucified. He never died. He escaped. They had a secret back entrance. He was healed for three days in the in the cave in the tomb, and then there was a secret back entrance. He left, and on the way to Damascus, north going north in Syria, Saul or Paul saw him, and thought it's spirit form. It must be in spirit form. And Jesus didn't want to say, "I'm not a spirit," because he didn't want to be crucified again. And he went east, and he died in present-day Srinagar, Kashmir, 
And that's one of my current missions. Uh, the first one, health is one of my missions. I'm very much working on it. The second one on the structure walls, uh, this year, hopefully I'll pull off a 50 people event in Srinibha, Kashmir, uh, a test event, a pilot event to start world peace because I believe Jesus is the focal point for world peace because he actually combines the five main religions. And so whilst, and I'm a Christian, whilst Christian believe what's currently in the Bible and 20% of the Bible is incorrect and things were removed. And the the big thing is 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 the uh, Jesus on the cross, and whilst Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and somehow sits on below God on the throne somewhere, that then puts Jesus above the other four main religions, prophets, and Jesus is not Jesus was a man just like you and me, but he had many incarnations, so many um so i believe in reincarnation and that what was taken out of the old new testament and there's proof of that i do a talk about that in one of my documentaries so um jesus was on the same par as in hinduism say lord krishna i studied lord krishna it's one of the prophets they say he was a god he was a prophet he was born when I research it, I, I, we've got the date. We've got where he was born, in Mathura, in a prison. His mother was in a prison. Then in Buddhism, you've got Buddha. Obviously, I, I went to all the four places of Buddha. I went in the Buddha trail. He was a very advanced soul, a very old soul, like Jesus. In Judaism, you obviously got many prophets. But Moses is one of them. Then in Christianity, you've got Christ, uh, Jesus. And then in Islam, you've got Prophet Muhammad. So if Christians that make up over 60% of the U.S. Uh, belief system think that their prophet, prophet Jesus, is better than the other prophets. It's not true. And this truth will start making people relax so that they can get on with other societies. And, you know, there's now caste systems coming in. In the Seattle, just this week, I think the law has been passed on the caste system coming from India because Different people see themselves as differently. Um, so, yes, on the point two, that to me is the biggest two points that people need to understand. What is greater? What is God? And understanding that Jesus was a person, a very advanced soul, an amazing soul, and that Jesus is the focal point, in my view, for, for world peace to people. Yeah, very interesting. Uh and by the way, we will have this in the show notes below. Uh, hit the good information that's in the PDF that Carl sent. You know, religion is one of the major, major influences in the world today. And it has been since the beginning of time. And the confusion in all of the division because of the religious viewpoints of man, it really is a personal journey that each of us have to travel and we have to identify our truth. And if you're 
not able and capable of looking at these other sources of information or viewpoints, whatever you want to call that information, it's still information that completes us in many ways. If, if you're not aware of what other people are thinking, especially about religion, you're kind of empty and you're not complete. So I encourage people to look at these different sources and identify your truth and be solid in your truth, not what everybody else tells you the truth is. I, I find that's very important in the world. And I'm, I'm very glad that you've got that in your four-part solution because it is one of the major things that drives everything in our world. Yeah, just when you were talking, I was just thinking, if you're a Christian, the way to do it is say, what happened if I grew up in Saudi Arabia as a Muslim? Right. You know, would I have believed in, in um, Prophet Muhammad? Yes. So it's, it's, it's we, need, we need the truth now. It's time for truth. The truth will set us free. And yes. um, when I did my seven-year research, I had uh, half a million words, what I called my workbook. And then it took me six months. I wasn't working. I was just working 18 hours a day, just removing two-thirds. And what was left was the truth. I, it was like a puzzle, like a 20-piece puzzle, because I've got 21 chapters. So, you know, 21 chapters. And everything, all the pieces fitted. And if people research it and they can for themselves, because one of the Kabbalistic secrets is that you've got to earn your own way. You've got to find this truth for yourself that, hang on, perhaps what I've been taught in Christianity is not fully the truth. And I'm the biggest proponent of Jesus Christ, but we need the truth, and the the, the truth will set us free. Um, the third one is the roof, and yeah, it's very very simple. Um, and I've added the fourth one since the show notes I sent you. But the third one is love thy neighbor. You know the Hunza cuts in in northern Pakistan, they. They were, they loved everyone. They had this peaceful life. They just, you know, um, they were looking out for each other. And you just got to do your little butterfly effect. Don't believe, believe that you can make a difference and love people around you and do your bit to help society because that will help society change, the US change. It's obviously not just the US, I'm talking all over the world. Um, because once you have that attitude, and uh, I studied Kabbalah, Kabbalah.com, for three years hectically, and now part of my teaching, of my coaching and mentoring, uh, my third tool I give to people, I say study Kabbalah for four months and then stop. So I study Kabbalah, has got the Zohar, which is the secrets of the Old Testament. And... Um, it's got something like, I don't know, 14 chapters of thick books. I read through all of them. I went to two events in Warsaw, Poland. I went, I had a teacher 
I did a lot of courses and whatever. And I say to people now, just listen to their videos. Go online for four months, listen to two videos at least a day and do Kabbalah one, two, and three on there. And there'll be funny words. But um, one of the Kabbalistic secrets, so I say, you know, so, so I'm not a Kabbalist myself, but I went into Kabbalah to get the truth. Kabbalah, Kabbalists uh, have little, I don't know if it's left or right arm, uh, uh, red armband. Um, I'm not a Kabbalist, but I went to go and find out the secrets of the Old Testament. And one of the secrets is that you need to earn your own way. So go out there, research it, read my book, The Universe Code. Um, it, it's got fascinating information in there. And then um, the fourth one, and uh, no, I had, I think I had it in the show notes, is so the Kabbalistic group that I went to on was just so happens to be the same group that Mondonna, uh, you know, the singer of Mondonna was, uh, is on. And uh, that's Kabbalah.com. And their main leader, before I joined, was a guy, and he's now passed away, he's called Ralph Burke. Then he had his wife, American lady that he met. She wasn't a Kabbalist, Karen Burke. I met her, but she's passed away now. And now the leader is a guy called Michael, Michael Burke. But Ralph Burke, which used to be the leader, so one of the top Kabbalists the world's ever produced, they asked him once, of all the secrets of Kabbalah, what is the most important thing? And I think this one, for someone, on, for everyone, every person listening, but certainly people on drug or alcohol or any addiction, this is very important, and this is why I'm closing now. Um, is that they asked him what's the most important thing. And what he said is, reject, reject, reject. So the Kabbalists um, call Lucifer or Satan, they call him uh, the opposition, which is actually a better word because the creator first made Lucifer the angel and then the other angels and then put us in charge of the angels. And you need the opposite, yin and yang. So the opposition tricks us, puts those negative thoughts in our mind. And it and we have for life lessons. And you cannot have life lessons if someone, if the opposition is not tricking you. Because your whole purpose is to is to expand the vibration of the universe through life lessons and learning. And so Rothberg said is reject, reject, reject. So if you're a drug addictor, you, Ed, I cannot do it for the drug, the person that's on that drug addiction. They have to do it for themselves. So you have to, through thoughts, know it's the opposition, Lucifer, that's putting those thoughts and reject, reject, reject. Now, it's hard because you're in a society. We need to change all these other things. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is um, I did a little mini documentary on addiction, The Way Forward. Um, and hopefully, if you don't mind putting it in the show notes, that will be appreciated. Yes, uh, everything that you've sent me, I will have in the section below in the show notes. And, you know, it's it's fascinating that we isolate ourselves in so many ways. And the truth is out there. You've just got to find it. And what we determine truth You'll know it when you find it. That's that's the very interesting part of it. And 
if you allow these forces, these voices in our heads, the opposition to tell us that we're not worthy, well, you'll believe it. And I like that reject, reject, reject. It's, it's one of those things that you have to do in many ways to keep going forward on this trail of life. So Carl, you know, every time you come, it's fascinating and some great information gets shared. Tell people how you can be found. And if you have a call to action, would you share that with us also? Yeah, to find me, I'm on lightsurfers.me.me. Light is in light of the greater. Surfers, as in surfing the wave, all one word, .me. And if you can put that on the show notes. My call to uh, action is speak the truth. I say, you know, people are coach and mentor as well now. I do it for free. And uh, it's my butterfly effect things. And I say to people, even if you've got to go to jail, speak the truth. Because we come for life lessons to this earth. And then we go. If we don't learn in this lifetime, you have to come back and learn everything again. You don't progress as a soul. So, yeah, speak the truth. The truth will set us free. That's right. Uh, Nelson Mandela, it's it's one of those things. You got to go to jail once in a while to prove a point. It's how we go to jail that matters and why we go to jail. So, you know, our life is filled with ventures and adventures. Make it worth living and do your due diligence. Carl, as always, I want to say thank you for being part of Dead America and being with us and sharing your story here today with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.